saw, but the goddamn chain won't stay on it. It's a pain in the ass. It needs an adjustment. That's another thing about chains. What? So. I don't know about adjust- adjustments. Come on. I know what adjustments are, and it, it, the adjustments don't work. Did you just buy it new? No, I've had it. I bought it several years ago, maybe 10 oh, years ago. I stopped using it, though, because the chain came off all the time. Well, then the chain needs to be replaced because the chain can get loose. If you can't adjust out of the uh, thing falling off. That's <laughs> By the way, you're oh. listening to an episode of Gold Guys talking about chainsaws. Uh, welcome to this. Well, well, the thing yeah, is let's get right back to it. This is fascinating. They can, be, they can be so, like electrical ones aren't nearly as dangerous as the gas ones. Why not? Huh? Of course they are. Nah, it's a little one. You know what I mean? It well, wouldn't okay. have. It, do, it doesn't get revved up where it would have the bounce back and everything. But yeah, anyway. we're talking about chainsaws, just in case you're not <coughs> familiar with right. the vernacular. Anyway, I've never really been happy with that chainsaw. Listen, why would you get people to do chainsawing for you? I agree. That's. You know, it's funny you say that too because uh, it's funny. It's interesting. It's interesting and funny. You know, sometimes when we think of maybe moving from this home and moving out a bit, and then I'll look at some places and they might have attractive property and maybe a big front lawn. And I think, oh, do I want to cut that? And then Delise always reminds me, I'll just hire somebody to cut the goddamn lawn once a week. And I'm thinking, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Get people. Yeah. Just, you know, especially at your, at the, at your advanced mm-hmm. age, you just take some of that money and throw it at some people. Well, that's right. You would help the economy and help yeah. maybe a local guy who's got a little business cutting lawns and down on his luck. Look at that cost. Maybe a couple hundred bucks a month or sure. something. I don't know. Hey, even our buddy Lumby in France, uh, until quite recently, who and he's very skilled in all things chainsaw. I mean, you know, he did cut yeah. Dan. He did yeah. try and rip Dan's nose off once, but that was years ago. <laughs> Years ago, he's learned since he's then. Learned. He knows how to use chippers and everything. He's, but, he uh, he's very good. He's good at uh, tractoring and cutting and mowing. But even he, until quite recently, had hired somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, just got rid of them because he decided he enjoyed that kind of work himself. But, you know, I couldn't believe it. He said, yeah, I got a guy doing that stuff for me now. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you just have to face the facts. You know, you talk about when Lumby almost ripped Dan's face off, the story being that they were chainsawing in Dan's backyard and the thing hit a branch or something come up and hit Dan in the face. I mean, a horrible, horrible thought. But speaking of horrible thoughts, I remember when I first got word of that, we were all at the trailer and we got word that this has happened to Dan, that he had got a chainsaw in the face and Mm -hmm. we're all aghast. But the first thing I think... Will I actually be better looking than Dan Duran? <laughs> yeah. Sadly, no. I thought that. I yeah. thought that. I thought, you know, everywhere you go with Dan, ooh, Dan Duran, the big handsome guy. I'm thinking now when I walk in a room with Dan, I'm going to be the guy. Yeah. And, and again, I don't know if you heard me say, face. sadly, that was not the case. <laughs> even after Dan, even after Dan turned into Dan and Stein or Frank and Dan, he was still better looking than everybody. <laughs> no, I know. Oh. Well, that's because you're very compassionate. Dan's yeah. been chainsawed in the face. Wait a minute. Might I be better looking? <laughs> 
You know what? Let's start the show because we keep saying we're going to start the show immediately, but we don't. I know, I know. And here it is. Now it's three this minutes and 45 This episode of Humble and Fred seconds. is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios. Did you notice that sort of like uh, evangelical read there? Okay, was, uh, start again okay. because, uh, you know, I want you to do your best. And I know you're not feeling right. well. Here we go. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto, from our Brampton subterranean facility, and from Lisa's dining room table in Peterborough. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Aaron Ventures, evnet.ca, and GoDaddy. And now, here are two men who are looking forward to the smell of freshly mowed lawns and watching other people mow them for them as they sip a nice cold glass of Metamucil. It's Humble and Fred. Have you guys seen the uh, forecast? Like, I've called April the big lie for a reason because, you know, this week, this week, you know, temperatures today, 27 28 tomorrow, uh, 23 uh, Friday, Saturday, 18. And then did you see the forecast for next week? No. 8, 7, rain, 10. And it goes like that for weeks now. That's what April does. April does this like a little tease. They're like, hey, what do you think of this? And then, of course, it's not like this again until June. So let me ask you this. If, uh, if it was... Uh, this way all the way through. I mean, not not warm, but if it was those temperatures all the way through till it got warm and stayed warm, would you prefer that? Or what, the 20s? Like this little respite. Yeah. No, like I... It's respite. No, I don't want a respite. <laughs> what do I need? What kind of question is that? Mm. So what, what, what you, would you like the temperatures to be warm and nice all the way till the other time that when they actually become warm and nice? Or would, you like it to, or would you like it to dip down to eight and raining? You know what, I Dad? You know what you're right. Then. You're right. No, I, 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 I want it to be eight and raining until June. No, the question was, would you prefer not to have a warm week? Would oh. you con- prefer the continuation of the cold until it got warm and then stayed warm? Well, that's a completely this, different question. That's the same question I asked, but I just didn't start out right. I, I, mm-hmm. Next Tuesday, there's actually a snowflake in the clouds that you're showing. <laughs> um, but to, to your point, yes, it's better to have had nice a, a week of nice temperatures than to not have a week of nice temperatures at all then enjoy it yeah it's normal this time of year the normal is oh no it always happens we get a we get a week of some kind of fake spring we all go oh oh, isn't toronto great you're right we do and then of course it dips back down into shit right through the may long weekend the normals in the toronto gta areas are 11 for the high three three no i get it it's not supposed to be 27 Right. I was out with the stand man yesterday. We did our, went over to his park there, and I had a couple layers on, and I had to remove one because it was literally too hot. I'll tell you what, it was uh, hot in that dome last night. And I have a story that relates to that, but it was uh, just beautifully. It was beautiful and warm, and people were wearing shorts. Did they open the, the big window? They do not open the roof, no. Oh, Freddy. on that point, on that point, you were asking about that yesterday. Yeah. They explained it. They need to test the roof with people not in it um, before they can confidently open it for a crowd. And they just have not been able to test it yet. Uh, There are certain factors that I'll have to line up in order for them to test the roof. You know, you just don't open it with people in there and 
In case that was the, falls that's off. the Yeah, maybe that's the explanation they gave. Yeah, because you wouldn't want one of those. I don't know. There's, there's the pipes and these giant. It's like you know, just being there. And I know this is. I'm sure everyone's been there. But I was looking around last night, and it's just the engineering marvel that that place is. I find that fascinating. Howard, some of my most impatient moments over the past 20-some-odd years is when people trash that that dome. I do not get it. If it's a beautiful day, the roof's open. If it's cold outside, you're in there and you're warm. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a stadium configuration. You know what I mean? It's like 40,000 people can sit in there comfortably regardless of the weather and the sight lines are good and... It's just it became this popular thing to trash that dome over the years, and because you know they started making these retro parks all over Major League Baseball, and oh, we we want one of those, and it's like, yeah, at what expense? And they've put three hundred million into the dome. You know who paid for that? Rogers, not taxpayers. Nobody, nobody but Rogers paid for the three hundred million dollar upgrade. And that's the, the way it should be. I, I, interesting. Well, a couple things. Uh, you yeah. know, interesting, funny. Uh, three hundred million, isn't that the number it cost to build it in nineteen eighty nine? Well, it's funny you say that because I think the original um, bill was going to be two fifty, and then it ballooned right. to five hundred million. The second thing I wanted to ask you about is: uh, Do you have a list of the things that frustrated you most in the last twenty years? Because like, is that like a journal? Is it a diary? Is it on your oh, phone it's, somewhere? The fucking <laughs> thick book. Thick the word. It's like. Like, Where's uh, this guy on the list? Grandpa, is this a phone book? No, that's Grandpa's list of frustrations. Let me go into that library. Um, well, I would say this. I don't. I wasn't really paying attention to the trash the dome thing, but I can tell you, I've been in it three times now, uh, end of last season and now this season at the home opener, and it's pretty fascinating. W- open or shut, it's just a an amazing structure. And I was going to looking around last night and. You know, it's it's pretty cool to be inside that. I mean, it, it wasn't cool last night, Dan. It was actually a bit warm. But it's pretty neat that we have that. And I'll tell you another thing. It was pretty easy to get in and out of it. Like, it all seems to work. They've upgraded so many things. Just the, You'll love this, Freddie. The way it looks, the signage inside is all different. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah. I was... You know, we were in and out of there, no problem. And everyone seems to have figured out how to get people around the place and... Well, just think about that. A great city like Toronto. Yes, we can still call Toronto a great city. It has its problems. But there is that dome nestled right downtown with all the neat stuff around it. Like a family can build a whole day around going to a Jays game. You know what I mean? The parks around it. Go out for dinner afterwards, right on Front Street. All those restaurants, all those neat little places you can go. <clears throat> you know the the condos around there people can live near it it to me it's uh it's it's just a great place and i don't know w- 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 what the problem is um like by the way just for the record the jays have not lost while i've been in attendance i've been to three games they won them all uh yeah. the other thing i here i'm a bit i'm a bit confused because i recall maybe dan you too as well I always thought the dome capacity was in the 50,000s. Now it's uh, it was sellout last night at 42,000. And Rudra, my host, our host and good friend, uh, tells me they average somewhere around 32,000 for just in the average over the season. 
But have they reduced the capacity? The original capacity was like 50,100. Then they made some minor adjustments to the outfield years ago. It became 49,000. Now, with this latest renovation, they lost about six or 7,000 seats. What did they do? Well, they put... You haven't heard about all the bar, the restaurants? Yeah, Dan, you'd love it. They put in a whole bunch of different funky restaurant ideas, different different patios, patios, uh, different. uh, They did they did something that I I guess baseball fans would find interesting, but they raised the so they raised the bullpen. But so usually, you know, when they're out in the bullpen, the pitchers are warming up. You can't really see them. And I was going to ask you this, Fred. Have that, has that happened in another stadium? Because it's such a great idea. Well, that's what they did. They explained that. By the way, Dan, CBC hasn't talked about <laughs> the Rogers Center um, renovations. Like, I, I can't believe it. <laughs> Come on, I Dan. I really paid attention. What's CBC have to say about it? Right. I don't recall. Because if it's not on the CBC, he doesn't hear it. But anyway, well, um, they explain that as um, as well, Howard. What was the question? Well, but they, they, they've well, what here, we were <laughs> oh, talking no, about. No, so they've lost yeah. they've lost capacity to create a completely different experience. Some some of it's very baseball centric. This is one of them. And then on the heels of what Rudra said, the thing is, on average, right, very rarely in baseball do you sell out. Probably on the weekend you do. Yeah. So what you do is you sacrifice five or 6,000 seats on those weekend games and then make the outfield real cool and have all these neat places to attract midweek crowds. Guys saying, hey, let's just go down and stand on the patio for 20 bucks and watch the game. Yeah. So that's the mindset. Now, what they did... Before they started the construction at the Dome, they went around Major League Baseball, a group of people from Rogers. They visited every ballpark in Major League Baseball and tried to take the best ideas from several parks and institute them into the Dome. And that was elevated bullpens. I forget they re- they referenced uh, uh, one of the ballparks that had that, and they thought that was a neat feature. So well, they, I'm going to tell you, as a very mm-hmm. casual, I've been there three times and now in the last year, as soon as I saw that, it's it's noticeable. It's something different. Even a base a casual fan like me would go, "Oh, that's cool." Plus, Dan, mm-hmm. what they've done is they've all these sections to make the fan experience different, better. Uh, another thing they did is they brought the wall in, or they they no, I'm sorry, they lowered it in certain sections uh, to make the bat the park more home run friendly. It used to be like a uniform park or symmetrical or whatever the word is, where the outfield was 12 feet all around. Yeah, was a complete bow. And it was like the right field was the same as the left field, you know, um, center left and um, uh, center right were the same. But now they've changed it. The dimensions are uneven right around. Yeah. The park, and on top of that, not only are the dimensions uneven, the wall heights are uneven. Yeah, exactly. Which makes for quite an adventure. You know, the whole idea was to change it from a stadium to a ballpark, and that's the feel. Just even on TV last night that I got, it was more of a ballpark than a stadium. Well, that's, I will tell you, I wasn't sure what, because I'd heard you talking about it and I'd read a little bit about these changes. And then I thought, well, and they, and the part of the first half hour, but the sort of opening ceremonies and they gave out some awards and such, but they were basically highlighting these spots. Yes. Um, they, they showed that on TV. And it was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I will say that I had a couple of quick stories because Rudra's our buddy. And he uh, took me my very first time. And I've sat in those seats of his before, which are basically just. 
a little to the left and behind home plate, maybe 12 or 14 rows up. It's pretty cool. You could probably spit as far as Getty Lee. Yeah, I guess so. If I was that kind yeah, of person. Yeah, you probably yeah, could. Okay, you probably okay. could. You could stand up and go, hey, Getty. And, and then just hawk a loogie at Getty yeah. Lee. For, yeah, for sure I could. <laughs> did you see him? I did not. Uh, I will just, say. He was just to your right and down a bit. I mean, again, I talked and we've talked about being in those seats and, you know, getting to. I, I love being at a, an event like that where you get to kind of just pick and choose what you want to watch. Plus some of the changes, by the way. Not to get too much into that baseball part, but there's some changes in terms of the shot clock or the pitch clock. That stuff, honestly, yeah. it, it does keep it does keep things going. Now there was mm-hmm. a bunch of uh, different reasons the game, you know, started late and whatever. But that you'll, you'll when you go, you'll see, and it's easy to and, and it's easy to see where the clock the thing is. Plus they've. You know, in between, like they bring a new pitcher, you get two minutes. Doesn't matter. It used to be different. Anyway, so everything was going great. And, uh, you know, we had dinner first. And uh, we'll get to that in a second. But we had dinner. And anyways, about fifth or sixth inning, I, you know, I said to Rujo, let me go get you a treat. You know, you took me to the ballpark. Let me go get you something. And, and, you were still there in the sixth inning? Oh, yeah. I was, way, I was there way late. I was there waiting. We didn't leave until the end of the eighth when they won. When they went up, like, whenever they went up at 8-6 or 8-3, I mean, we, then we bailed. Oh, that's good. I'm proud of you, Howard. You Thanks, made it buddy. to the sixth inning. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Usually you're long. Oh, you know me so well. You know <laughs> me so well. I was like, as a uh, fact, me and me and Ruder, by the way, were texting back and forth. Oh yeah. The game. What was he back. saying? Well, that those back to back home runs. You had gone to get the treat and oh, you yeah. missed them. Oh yeah. no, I saw that. No, oh, did you? Yeah, well, of course what? I did. Because I'm standing there in the concrete. Now, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, 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 uh, I get up to get the treats, and then I'm looking on the monitor, which are everywhere. By the way, which is another great thing. Those monitors are everywhere, and of course I miss the back-to-back home runs live. But uh, well, and that's what I said to him at that point when he texted me and said you missed the home runs. I said I'm surprised he's still there. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rudra uh, said something like, "Well, he has sort of uh, danced around, maybe leaving soon." No, I said to him because uh, it was it was getting it was like nine thirty. Was oh, anyway, Jesus. I was getting very tired. <laughs> I was getting very tired. So, for the record, I hung in until way past ten. Okay. So I get up to get these treats, <laughs> and just so you know, Rudra is in section one twenty two. Mm-hmm. But because of the excitement of the home runs, and I kind of got turned around, and what I got was I I, I, I wanted to get some uh, waffle cones, Dan. And you could you <laughs> <laughs> you could did he text you about this? No, I don't oh. think so. Let me see. Okay, Go well, ahead. Okay, so I went and got waffle cones. And you had two options for the waffle cones. You could get them ice cream in a waffle cone itself, or you could get the ice cream in a commemorative Blue Jay hat. And I thought, oh. I, you know, I'm, which, by the way, would have turned out to be a great idea. But I thought, now oh, I'm not going to bring two baseball hats and they weren't they were the same price <clears throat> uh, that would crazy two grown men sitting there eating ice cream out of a baseball cap so i get the waffle cones and i've mentioned earlier in this that it was warm in the in the dome mm. and so i'm holding <laughs> these ice creams and and dan what you should know too is you're not allowed they don't let you mm. go back to your seat whilst while play is in is going right oh like a theater wow like that yeah so i'm waiting now to get back to my seat and I got a little turned around and waiting for this play to end or the guy to get to put out. And then I go down that row and it's the wrong row. It's 119. But I didn't realize it. And now the fucking chocolate, the ice cream is melting in my hand. 
<laughs> then I go back up and I go to 120. I don't know what I was thinking of. I go back to 120, not the right row. I go all the way down. Then I go 21, all the way down, not the right row. And, oh, it, and now I've got melting ice cream all over me. And I finally get frustrated because I'm like, what? And I have, going, I have to get my phone out to see what my actual row is. Anyway, I get back to the seats, and it's just dripping all over me. It's all over my... I got, like, chocolate all over my pants, all over my shoes. You, uh, can you play the Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> right now, please? Could you? <laughs> I can just see that. The Larry David lookalike going oh, up yeah. and down these rows with melting ice cream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, you know... <laughs> By the way, not one wrong row, three of them. It was the third one that I thought, I better look at my ticket. And here's how bad I was. I get, and there's this beautiful little family sitting next to us the whole night. It's really sweet. And I'm, I'm going through the rows, getting back to the seat with Rudra. I finally see Rudra. And they're like saying hi to me. And I'm, the kids are laughing as I'm literally covered in chocolate. <laughs> the, the, here's how bad it was. The people in front of us turned around and saw me. And they had wet naps. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> they, they pull out wet naps to give me so I can give to my friend Rudra. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. I like I was wiping chocolate off my feet and I still have. So, did you even know he wanted uh, such a thing or you just was it a surprise treat? Or? Well, I said to him, I'm going to go get us some treats. I didn't say what I thought, you know, a popcorn or a Cracker Jack or something like that. Anyway. You end up getting the worst thing you could have got. And if I had just gotten them in the baseball caps, it all would have been oh, fine. Oh, right. Yes. It would yes. have been perfect. Uh, what was the price tag on those waffle cones? $8 a piece. Yeah. You know, um, the big thing they were promoting seven ninety five on the pregame show and everything was the poutine hot dog. Mm. So it was your Schneider's hot dog with um, not full French fries, just almost like diced potatoes with... You know, with the the cheese and gravy, and eleven ninety nine for that. <clears throat> wow! I don't know. Rudra bought us. Uh, he bought me a water, and he got himself a uh, Mill Street Organic. I didn't see the price of beer. I was trying to do a little recon for you because I know you were, were going to ask the water when I was standing in line. Missing the back to back home runs. Well, when I was there uh, last I was year, say I the, cheap- the, the water oh. was six dollars. Yeah. Which is not good. No, that that is not that that is not a good strategy, especially on a hot day. The water should not be six dollars. But we know I what mean, they do have there. Grow up. Yeah, but you know what they have there now that I I, I, I did notice. <clears throat> you so if you if you buy a water that's six dollars, but you can bring your own. And I, the family next to me, that's what they did. They brought their own water bottles, and they yeah. have filling stations all over the dome now. Like filtered oh, water. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, so they have that's filtered cool. watered filling stations everywhere. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. And, yeah. and I, because I, I thought that too. I thought, wow, that's a lot of money for a bottle of water in the summertime. But you're, you're, you can bring your own canister of whatever. Uh huh. The, um, I think last year when I went, I went two or three times last year. I think the cheapest beer is twelve dollars, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was last year, so I'm sure it's gone up. Somebody has to pay for those renovations. But So, prior to the game, I met uh, Rudra at Scatterbush, our old sponsors, uh, service-inspired restaurants. Great time there, Front yes. Street, easy to get to. That's kind of our huge. Um, 
And this is the thing you should know about Rudra. He, he eats like a grown-up. So we order an appetizer together. It's a mozzarella ball and some bread, and that's great. We shared that. And then Rudra ordered the, you know, sort of personal pizza, margarita pizza. I order a beet and goat cheese salad with salmon. That under normal circumstances, he's going to listen to this for the first time. But I was, under normal circumstances, I'd have that thing polished off in seconds. But I was trying to pace myself to the grown-up's pace. And it's not easy, man. Like, he takes a bite of his food and then puts it down. Yeah. What's that all about? I know. And, and I, like, he won't know this until now, but I was just taking a little piece of salmon and uh, a bit mm-hmm. of salad and eating it, trying not to get... I would have been finished it by his first slice of that pizza. Yeah. Yeah. And so, by the way, so some people so feel like you. you feel like saying to them, like, "What's the problem? What are you not hungry? Or we're here to eat, so eat, please." <laughs> no, and I was just trying to go fork for fork, and it was excruciating. Like I, I thought about it after, like because yeah. I guess when food gets put in front of me and you, I don't know about oh, yeah. Dan. We just eat it. Talkings later, eating now. <laughs> it's oh, that's it. But he's like, bite, bite, talk, talk, talk a lot, talk, talk, then back to a bite. Mm. And finally he gets down to his last piece and I said, and I was done now. And I said, hey, you know, do you need some help with that? I'm thinking, you know, like, let me just mm. fucking get after it. And so even that, mm. we split it. I just went, blah, 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 and ate it. And then he just took a couple bites and I, I, it's, I'll tell you what, I admire it. It's a skill I don't have. Yeah, I know. I've told stories about my buddy Donnie Patterson. He's the same way. Because I sit and eat with him over the years up north, and it would be like, oh, my God. Like, I'm done. And he's, you give him a steak, and he cuts the steak up completely before he even starts to eat it. And I used to say to him, like, why do you do that? Like, doesn't that get cold? And I said, man, you're a slow eater. And he'd look at me and go, no, I'm not. You're a pig. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I look, I think about the way you and I eat. And I don't know, is that wrong? Because like the food comes and we eat it. No, we we, we, we eat with gusto. (laughs) That's right. We have, we have uh, spirits. It's, uh, it's, it's it's a compliment to the chef. This is so good. But I was, I was very mindful because I thought, okay, if I sit, because normally I would have been finished that, you know, it's basically a nice size salad with a pretty like four or six ounce slice of salmon beautifully cooked. I would have been done that in three minutes, but I thought, okay, no. Because I, that would be weird. So I, I just, I, every time he would take a bite, I would take a bite. And then I would put my fork down, which felt mm-hmm. weird to me. Oh, geez. Yeah, you can't do that. And then we would talk and I'd think, okay, when are we, when are we taking our next bite anytime soon? Aren't you mm-hmm. hungry? Anyway, and then, I, then of course, I spilled uh, you know, ice cream all over myself like a child. Well, it sounds like uh, you had a fun night. It was a fun night. Nine three. No, it must be exciting too, eh? Because you're in the stadium, and then you have the the roar of the crowd, and then all the music that they support uh, the crowd with is playing all the time, and you're bouncing up and down to the music, and ah, oh, it must be fun. It must be fun. Yes, it it's was a fun, fun evening for <laughs> you know. Anything you want to say? Go ahead. I don't care. <laughs> I just find it noisy. I'm sorry. I, I find know, before it noisy. The, before the show, he said it was a great evening. I just find it noisy. I said, what? In a sta- in a closed stadium with 50,000 people? Oh, really? It was noisy? That's, That's not odd. what I mean. 
You know That's what I mean. Odd. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Fucking get. Like- oh, hang on, Dan. Could you get this bus off of me? What I said to him was, yes, no, I like the sound of the crowd. It's just the in-stadium experience in sports has gone crazy. It, I, you know, I agree. I've been to basketball games and I've been to hockey games. Mm-hmm. When we were younger, there just wasn't as much in-between play noise. I love it. When you, listen, there's nothing more exciting than, well, I, two things. When Kiermaier, is that his name? Yes, Kevin Kiermaier, KK. When KK, uh, early in the game, robs this guy of a home run. Like, it was insane. I, we were all on our feet. The roar of the crowd, very exciting. But every, you know, there's all these moments where in between activity, it's, eh, 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 and there's, you know, it's just constant. What are they shooting T-shirts into crowds? No, well, not that, but that type of thing. But every moment where there could be silence is filled with music and beats and people dancing. And I just said to Freddie, I said, I I, maybe I'm getting old, but uh, I just found it. It's like a lot of noise over the course of three hours. That is it. That is it. You're getting old. No, no, no. And I'm the same way. You know, I can't take noise the way I used to be able to take noise it's like the very thought of going in a bar like remember the old days going in a bar and standing in front of a stage with a band playing there was days i actually enjoyed that i could no sooner do that now as you know like i can't imagine doing that it would just i'd just be aggravated from the moment i got in there <laughs> well and, and I, the, I would be and i think it goes to like our our society Mm-hmm. You know, we all have this short attention span and we must be entertained. Every, these children must be entertained every moment. And the way that's evolved, you know, Howard, I mentioned that, you know, they, the people at Rogers went around to all the stadiums to try and get the best features of um, various stadiums. Well, that that whole event, it started in the NBA. You know? Yeah, exactly. I know. The whole music like NBA, there's that. I think when the Raptors have the ball at home, there's actually music playing while they have the ball, like a low. It used to be they weren't allowed to. Yeah, well, whatever it is, but it started with the NBA, and then I guess their research, market research, and everything, you know, proved that a younger audience, fans love that feel. They love that vibe. So it's just mushroomed into what it is now. Hockey's not quite as bad as the other sports, but uh, it's getting there. You were talking to uh, somebody. I'm oh, sorry, Dan. Were you going to say something? There? I was going. Maybe they can fix golf that way. Well, they have actually. It's funny. In in the live tour, they do play music. <clears throat> There's music playing. I'm not sure exactly where, but on certain holes, they've got music playing. Um, it, you guys, I, you, Freddie, somebody we were talking to this week about uh, the small ballpark experience. I can't remember who. What do you it was. mean the small? Remember what you were talking about being at Dunedin or seeing a Blue Jays game? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Okay. okay, yes, yeah. Well, some of my favorite baseball experiences have been like that, and I remember all the way back to Nat Bailey Stadium in Vancouver, where right. the uh, there was a AAA ball club there, and going on a summer's evening, it's five or six thousand seat, you know, stadium. Yes, mm-hmm. just just the sounds of the game. And and, oh, and and that's a different style. Like, 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 again, I understand. I started off this morning by saying I must be getting old because, you know, that noise for three and a half hours outside of the activity of the game is just a lot. Um, yeah. And don't feel bad. Oh, no, I don't. And when I say yes, when I say yes, it's an age thing. I'm not making fun of you because no, I'm, I'm the, it is an age thing. It is an age. And 
We didn't grow up with that. Like, it's new to us, that yeah. whole concept. And the thing is, when you go to games so infrequently as we do now, me included, I don't go to a lot of games. It's 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 jarring. I, I, I get it. I don't. Listen, I started the sentence by saying, I must be getting old because I guess that's exciting for some people. Well, exactly. Um, and and like, uh, like when I take Johnny Slapshot a couple of weeks and sit in those seats, like he'll love every minute of that. Yeah, he'll absolutely. Think it's the greatest thing ever. Well, because he won't know any different. Exactly. Um, and I was thinking about you being in uh, in that stadium and, and thinking about that experience for him. And it is fascinating. Like I was wa- looking around and sitting next to a, a kid not much older than uh, Johnny, and uh, he was sitting next to me. This is kind of funny because mm. at, at first it was him, his mom, his older brother, and his dad. And then early in the game, uh, there was a couple people ahead of a couple rows ahead of us, and I said they were eating pizza. I said to the kid, just out of nowhere, I go, "Hey," he goes, looks at me, he doesn't say, I go, "Hey, I'll give you five bucks for you go get that pizza, take a bite of that pizza." <laughs> oh, really? <Yeah. laughs> He's like, his mom started laughing. I go, "Come on, no, seriously, okay, ten bucks if you actually go and just grab it out of their hands." <laughs> and a couple, a couple innings later, they moved. They moved him. <laughs> I guess oh, was, yeah. oh yeah, but. Uh, Seats like that, when I see a family, a mother, a father, and a couple of kids, I think, well, how, what kind of money do they make that they can, all four of them can sit in I those thought of the seats. same thing, too. I'm thinking, this is a pretty nice uh, family. Uh, it's a four. That's a, that's a pretty that's good. A, what's the average lot. cost of seats in the, the thing now? Where I was sitting, I would say, I don't know, like, if you're a season ticket holder, it might be less because you're buying in bulk. But I think those seats per, probably a couple hundred per in oh, that really? neighborhood, yeah. And what are the cheapest seats, do you know? Oh, well, now they have, with the new outfield, uh, what do they call it? The outfield? What's it called again? They, they call it the, uh, the outfield. something outfield. Um, yeah, it's got a name. They're every, they're every, every section now has a name. There's the uh-huh. park. But you know, you, you can pay 20 bucks, Dan, and go in and um, walk around that outfield and stand on a patio or, you know, if there's a table available, like a bistro table, you could sit at that. So 20 bucks is probably the cheapest. I think the cheapest seat is like maybe 30 something, which is still pretty reasonable, Dan, can versus other sports. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, that's pretty reasonable. I mean, you know, you take a if you take the train in, you're not parking around the dome. You know, family of 4, 30 bucks a seat. But but I was thinking that that family of 4 had paid got to be close to $800 for that experience. Yeah, they're well healed. <laughs> I wonder what <laughs> but, he does uh, for a living. Oh, yeah. maybe it's her. Um, no, that's right. But I'm going Saturday, and uh, there's seats like the 500 level, the upper level. But if you're behind home plate, those seats in the upper level, are, it's a great perspective on the game. And I only think they're like 35 36 bucks. It's a good deal. Good perspective. Good deal. Well, there you have it. Uh, great night at the Jays. A 9-3 victory. Uh, lots of home runs. Fun, fun, fun. And Mr. Chocolate Pants had a nice time. Noisy, a little bit noisy. Uh, anyway, Dan Duran's news coming up. He'll be back. Dan, I hope you're feeling better. Oh, he's gone now. Tony Clement, former assistant prime minister of Canada or whatever. He's coming up in a bit. Yes, he is. And you know, Howard, this is an exciting city in which we live, you know, when it comes to sporting events. And tonight at uh, Scotiabank Arena, it's the Raptors and Bulls. It's the play-in. The play-in is whoever wins this game will have a shot at, you know, being 
part of the quarterfinals, conference quarterfinals. What, this is kind of like a wild card? Yes. The top six teams make the playoffs. Seven, eight, nine, and ten have to play in. So seven and eight play, nine and ten play. Nice. Whoever wins the seven, eight game makes the playoffs. They're the number seven seed. Then the winner of tonight's game plays the loser of the 7-8 game, and they become the 8th seed. So if the Raptors win tonight, they will play another game. If they win that, then they get into the regular playoffs. So that's happening tonight. And the Raptors, on home court, are the favorite. Minus 220 for this game, okay? The over-under, 213.5 points. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, a casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Uh, yesterday we were talking about... Well, you brought it up, but our mutual hatred of this song, and then our music director, Keith Weiland, mm-hmm. who corresponds with me all the time, and he's uh, always sending me interesting uh, stuff on Instagram, mostly picture of w- pictures of women's feet. Um, have a listen to this version of uh, this song. Did you listen to it? Yes, I did. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. No, it's okay. It's not as it's aggravating. better than the original. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's not mm-hmm. as aggravating as the original. Mm-hmm. It's got a Kate Bush vibe to it almost. Yes, great observation. That's true. Uh, unearthing value, says Boron One, an emerging international junior mining and exploration company. Get your Sherpa on this. Engaged in the acquisition, exploration, and development of resource properties. Aaron Ventures is the uh, place you go, AaronVentures.com. The company is trying to increase its mineral reserves by developing current properties and through the acquisition of additional mining projects. They're trying to get boron out of the ground. And why is that significant? Because if you have them in your portfolio, that could do nicely for you. I'm not an advisor. I'm just an observer. Uh, once again, AaronVentures.com. The company has changed its name to Boron One, but you can still find out more at AaronVentures.com. Um, uh, yesterday, I asked the question, like I said, we built this city on rock and roll. I mean, what does that even mean, I asked. Because what does that mean? We built this anyway. I did some research. Uh, song co-writers Martin Page and Bernie Toppin. Bernie Toppin? Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he would write such a shitty song. Have stated that the song is about the decline of live performance clubs in Los Angeles during the 1980s. So they were basically saying, what's going on, man? There should be live, more live music in L.A. We built this city on rock and roll. See, now it gives you some context. Yes. Now, do you hate the song less? Uh, not really. No. But now you understand Don't why. Like it. At least you understand where it's you know where it's coming from. Yes, that the question was answered. What does that mean? And that's what it means. When uh, Freddie and I were little, you know, boys developing our senses of humor, which we did. Um, 
for me, and I can't speak entirely for you, I know we've talked about, you know, I loved uh, the Lampoon. That was like one of my, like that was really it for me because it was funny and there was pictures of girls' boobs. But it was like subversive. But at the same time, when I was a little younger uh, and through my teen years, I still loved Mad Magazine. And uh, a lot of the stuff in Mad Magazine, you know, would be way dated now. But a couple things before I get into why I'm mentioning this. Were you ever a Mad Magazine fan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the parodies and, uh, you know, all the different cartoons. It just seemed like something that was for kids, right? That was parents didn't get it and was like sort of subversive and really sort of edgy. It would be like if The Simpsons were just a magazine Mm -hmm. for our age group. And a lot of the cartoons were written by a guy named Al Jaffe. And he just passed away at 102 years old. I was going to say he must have been of age. Way of age. And uh, Al Yankovic, who was a huge Al Jaffe fan, had written this little piece about how, like a lot of us, when we were kids like 10 11 12 13 reading this magazine there was just shit in it that we just it was so mind-blowing and it really did you know certainly in his case he says it really did form his sense of humor anyway Mm -hmm. he repeats an al jaffe cartoon that he says looking back on it made Mm -hmm. him laugh as a kid and I'm just going to share it with you now. And it's Al Jaffe was so good at recreating like the, the standard cartoons of the day. One of them was Dennis the Menace. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Dennis the Menace? Oh, yeah. You know, and, and his mom. And so Al, Al in, in Mad Magazine, he, he, he basically recreates his mother. And she's in the kitchen. And Dennis comes in like it looks exactly like Dennis. And he's carrying a skull. <laughs> it says, <laughs> hey, look what I found in Mr. Wilson's head. <laughs> it may not seem edgy now, but for a 12-year-old or whatever, that was so offside. Absolutely. Look what I found in Mr. Wilson's head, and it's a picture of his Dennis the Menace carrying the skull. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I just pointed out for any guys our age that remember Mad Magazine that the great Al Jaffe has passed away. Well, that's sad, but 102, yeah, not man. only a successful life, a long and successful life. That's all what you more, can hope for. What more could one ask from the uh, Sky Muppet? That's right. Well, hey, listen, let's talk about that because our friend here actually, you know, he has he has beliefs. Tony, how are you, my friend? Hey, good to see you guys. Uh, I, you know, one of the things we never... This is Tony Clement. used to be the system manager of this country. One of the things we never... <laughs> get into with you because I, I again, you know, respect you and I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable but I know it was just a big weekend for you Easter mm-hmm. yes, and uh, well happy Easter I hope everything worked out I hope he came out saw a shadow whatever he does you know that kind of stuff <laughs> he died died for your sins Howard well let's be serious did he <laughs> <laughs> did he really because in that first book, you know, the Jewish Bible, or we call it the Bible, uh, you'd think there'd be some mention of him, but not There was. Really? There was. Was there? Isaiah, book of book of Isaiah is all about Jesus, for sure. Okay. Well, listen, welcome back to this program. Tony, you've been everywhere. You've done everything. Uh, were you not just at some other conference I saw? I was at, uh, I'm currently in a hotel room in Calgary, by the way. Are you? Yeah, you look like you're on the road. 
yeah, I was in Banff last night, and I'll be in Red Deer tomorrow. It's it's almost like a rock and roll tour, I tell you. What are you doing? What are you doing? Touring with who, Pierre? Yes, I'm touring with Pierre, actually, yes. When is Double P going to get on this show and do the right thing? I I tell you, I'll keep trying for you. (laughs) You say that every time. (laughs) I don't think you're trying at all, and Jesus knows it. Jesus knows you're not trying. I did ask. Yeah, okay. How did that conversation go? Recreate that conversation. Uh, hey, there's these guys, uh, Humble and Fred. Um, they're, uh, you know, they've occasionally voted conservative. I can't say that they're totally in our camp right now, but they'd really love to have you on. And uh, the response I got back was something like, thank you for that input. Great. <laughs> so yeah. so it, it, it is. In, and listen. I'm not telling any stories out of school or anything. A big part of planning an election or planning, you know, a position for a party or whatever is avoiding questions. Like, you have to be aware of what you're walking into, right? Because you never know what those questions are going to be, and you don't want to be in a position to have to answer questions that you don't want to answer. So would that fall into that category? It's like, yeah, Tony, I would like to do you that favor, but geez, I'm afraid of what those guys might ask me. I don't think he's afraid of too much, to be honest with you. I think probably, uh, you know, I I think there's just, uh, they've got so little time of his because he's pulled in multiple directions and, uh, you know, there's always way more requests than there mm-hmm. is time. I, I honestly think it's nothing more than that, because I, I don't think he no offense. I don't think he's afraid of you. I, I think he can answer your questions extremely well. You, no one should be and, afraid of uh, us, Tony. We're no, no, I, I'm just talking serious. about listen, if you can avoid <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and if you're aware and you can yeah. avoid those sticky situations, you do it. I mean, it's it's strategy and I understand it. I'd probably do the same thing. But that's he was a bit when he when he first got elected as leader, you'll recall uh, that uh, he was very stingy with his time with the national news media. And that was commented on. And now he, he, he is not that way. He, he does mm-hmm. regular uh, news conferences and, and so on. So maybe it's just a, a bit of acclimating because, you know, it's, it's a first of all, it's a new role for him to be leader. And secondly, the toughest and this is apropos to, to my experience in, in, in politics, but the toughest job in Canadian politics is leader of the official opposition uh, for Canada. Why do you say there's, that? There's, it's just a no-win situation. First of all, you you know you're you're attacked if you are negative. Well, the job is to be negative. If you if you love what the government is doing, you're yeah. not the leader. You're in the charge opposition. of the opposition. Opposition. Well, yeah, not, that's why they have every um, portfolio has a critic, right? That's, that's right. what it's that's, that's right. what it's all about. That's of what course. it's all about. So your job is to be uh, the checks and balances guy. Mm-hmm. I used to say, and uh, you know, it was a kind of a joke, but true. I used to say there's only four words you need to know in opposition. Those bastards did what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's a tricky. And we're, that's kind of where I wanted to go, because you are on tour. You're working with the uh, potential next prime minister, maybe. So what are the things? Let's not talk about the negatives. What I wanted to kind of get to today, because I've been watching a lot of his tweets and, you know, he's pretty he's pretty prolific he's pretty active on social media and and criticizing as you would expect and no matter what the prime minister says but what are the things two-parter what are the things he talks about and what are the things you've noticed that are resonating 
Yeah, so you're right. He talks about a lot of things. Um, I, th- I think when he is on message about um, the, the tough times that people are having, especially young people, uh, housing costs, inflation, cost of living generally, those kinds of issues really resonate. And it and uh, if you look at all the polling, public polling that's out there, 18 to 34 year olds, the hierarchy of support now is number one is Pierre Polyev. Number two is Jagmeet Singh, and number three is is Justin Trudeau in the eighteen to thirty four year old age cohort. So it's really? really resonating. Yeah, it's really resonating with young people because they are having a tough time, and and also the research shows that when people generally, uh, not just that age cohort, but generally when they're asked, "Who do you think understands your problems the best?" Pierre Polyev is above Justin Trudeau on that. So I, I think when he's talking about those issues. He's, he's really capturing, uh, you know, whatever they said, the zeitgeist, you know, Howard, like, you know, that that phrase. Mm-hmm. I think he is capturing that. And I think it, it it's definitely in his favor. He occasionally throws some red meat, some red meat to the uh, uh, to the uh, to the base. Uh, you know, uh, he has this line that he used it last night about how one of the greatest thrills he's going to have is when uh, a um, a young family shows up to their new home with a U-Haul and that new home is the former uh, national headquarters for the CBC. So, you know, that, that's a lie that's right. Or, or, or he calls it the government or state funded. What's his phrase? He calls it state funded television. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, right. State broadcaster. Yeah, yeah, just exactly. relax. Hey, man, believe me, I'll, get honestly, it. I, I'm sort of in that corner. Like, to, to be honest, like enough. Or, but anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so um, that's I think that's that's an answer to your question. I think that's really uh, to his uh, showing his success. Um, I don't. I don't attribute a lot to polls, but the, they, they do show that he's having some success. I, the one thing I will say as an observer is it's really interesting. Like, I don't expect the leader of the opposition to be chosen as the best PM over the current prime minister. It doesn't matter whether it's liberal, conservative, whatever. That only happens usually three, four weeks into an election when, right. there's, when there's a desire for change. He's already ahead of Trudeau on best PM, which is very rare. So something is happening out there for sure. Okay, here's my problem with that. And again, you know, I tend to be a bit of a cynic. I mean, you know, the average, like in the GTA, it's over a million dollars for a house. What could he possibly do to make a house affordable for a young family? I mean, really, what can you do? You legislate that that house has got to be worth 400000 now? Like, what do you do? you got to increase supply. That's the only way to do it. And uh, he said what he's going to do to the provinces and to the municipalities. The municipalities get a lot of transfer payments now from the federal government. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, his position is you don't get a dime from the federal government unless you have a plan to build houses in your municipality. And, you know, the nimbyism is, uh, is run amok. Uh, local councillors find it difficult to, on their own, to go against nimbyism because it, it costs them votes. Just, so he's what, gonna, I'm he's sorry, what, what, what is nimbyism? Not in my backyard. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. you. You've got, a, you've got a, a nice property and they want to build a multiplex next, you know, close to your property. Well, that might affect my housing values. Therefore, I'm going to create an organization that's going to be against this multiplex in my community because it's bad for the environment or bad for this right. or bad for and that. And a lot of that goes on, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. It goes on all the time. So his, his point of view is, look, if that's, if that's what's ruling the roost in your municipality, you're not going to get any federal dough. 
Well, that's something. And I mean, that's good. But it just seems to me we've lost such a grip on, you know, the economics of home ownership and groceries and everything. I just uh, to me, it's like, uh, like, what what can you do to to 90 percent of young people? have given up on the dream of home. home no, I know they have. I know they it's have. terrible. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. One of the what things sort of, what sort of country are we bestowing to our young people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and, and again, as you've pointed out, being in the opposition, it's it's a very difficult position. It's the worst job. But it also has the, you know, the benefit of just being critical and not always coming up with solutions solutions or if you have a solution, like you just pointed out, once you get in, somehow those solutions get lost mm. in the mm. shuffle. I mean, I think back to, you know, famously, Cretchen was going to get rid of the GST and didn't. <clears throat> That's what he ran on. That's what he decimated the conservative government on and didn't do it. So what gives you the confidence, having, again, once been the assistant manager of the country, what gives you the confidence that this guy is going to actually do these things? Yeah, I, I obviously I, I judge his character and and uh, seen him in action, uh, and I, I just think he he really believes that this is important to do. He also understands how government works. He's not he's not one of these. He's an outsider, but he's not one of these outsiders who doesn't understand how government works. He actually does understand how government works. So he he knows which levers to to use to get some policy decisions out of the bureaucracy and, and so on. So that helps. And I just think he's authentic. I, I was on the plane ride with him to uh, to Calgary from Toronto. And, uh, you know, we were in the economy class, just want to make that clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he, uh, I was in the same row, but I was across the aisle. And uh, there was a single mom with a, like an 18-month-old who was in between us. And, uh, you know, I remember being on those planes, being a cabinet minister. You know, I sometimes I needed the time just to focus on where I was going, what I was going to say. And so you kind of cocoon yourself on the plane uh, to, to do those things, right? Because it's your prep time. And, but he spent a, a lot of time talking to this young mom. Uh, where are mm-hmm. you from? Why are you in Calgary? What's mm-hmm. going on? You know, she was originally from Brazil, so he was interested in that. So it, it, to me, that was a real window into the guy that, that he, he, you know, not every politician likes people, guys. And mm-hmm. I am here to tell you. Oh, yeah, some, no, sure. no, 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 no. Some find the people kind of like, you know, oh, well, I have to put up with liking people, but I don't really like people. He's kind of not like like that kind of mm-hmm. that, that politician. I'll, I'll tell you what made me uncomfortable about him. And it, it's slowly changing, but for a different reason. Was, you know, the the whack jobs that seem to, you know, the, the trucker, all the bullshit trucker stuff and the evangelicals here in Canada that seem to be attracted to him i'm very uncomfortable with but i'm almost to the point now where i'm willing to overlook some of that stuff because of the inaction of the current guy like again food prices house prices the economy a lot of stuff going on in this country we have this slick in ottawa that does nothing about it he never seems to talk about it he never seems to address it so now i'm in this situation where it's like well yeah maybe i can those sort of whack job uh, evangelicals and the, the, those people that I sort of find distasteful, I can maybe live with that because, you know, it's not his, Puliev's choice to have them as part of the stable. Maybe I can overlook that for change because this guy's doing nothing about anything. 
Yeah, we're in year nine of Justin Trudeau, and uh, the bloom is definitely off the rose. And he's he's engulfed in so many of this this whole Trudeau Foundation thing, which is the latest thing, uh, accepting Chinese money uh, for this foundation. And Trudeau yesterday said, "I had nothing to do with it." Well, your brother was on the board, and yeah. uh, the the guy that you sent to assess whether there's a Chinese communist interference was also on the board. Uh, you know, it, 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 come on now. There's, there's something there. Yeah. And so, so we, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's funny to touch on the Chinese thing because that's another thing because we spend a lot of this time. Listen, and we've said it many times, American politics just seems sexier than Canadian politics, but this whole Chinese interference here in Canada, it's funny how it flies under the radar. I never have a conversation with anybody about that. But I mean, that's serious yeah. stuff. But for it's some reason, yeah. for some reason, it has no impact in this country, something like that, where if it was American, it would be a huge story. Canadians are slow to anger. I, I agree with you there. There's, there's well, no question. I, it takes a lot. Then you yeah. just said something about, uh, and I agree, the, the Chinese thing seems if it were American, we'd be talking about it. If it were Trump, we'd be all over it. Yeah. Um, but now I, I want to talk about the you because you said you had the blooms off the rose. Well, it always is. And, you know, yes. as it was with Harper, as it was with Cretchen, it always happens. You can't be prime minister for that long without it's like a, you know, it's like a snowball or it's like a ball going down a hill, just acquiring more shit as it rolls down. the. So mm-hmm. in these last, uh, you know, I'm not sure whenever the election is. But so what is your advice to Pierre Polyev in terms of because, you know, guys like us that seem I think there's a bit of a stink on them. We, we've said that on the show. It's not, a, mm-hmm. it's, not a, you're not, it's not new to you. How do you get him away from that so yeah. that because really, as long as he doesn't get too, as Freddie said, the evangelicals and that sort of trucker mentality, as long as there's not too much on that, he probably has a pretty good chance of winning because at this point, everybody's looking for a change. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's he, uh, that's a great question. Thank you for that. Uh, I think he's done a good job of prosecuting Justin Trudeau. So, you know, mission accomplished. Uh, I think he's got a uh, at some point and he's starting to do this with some of his uh, policy announcements pivot to okay, we know everything's effed up right now. Here is my plan for Canada to be a better place, a place where for our young people, a place for our old people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think that 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 has got to be a kind of a hope and opportunity message, Uh, you know, uh, confidence in our country. If we have the right leadership, we can be a better country for our people, et cetera. So I I think he will do that as as moving forward. He's had some great uh, resonance with uh, he he announced this blue seal policy where uh, professionals like doctors and nurses coming in from overseas as long as they, they pass a blue seal test, they can work anywhere in Canada and that'll alleviate the doctor shortage. And the By the way, shortage, I'll tell you, that's that's a, that's brilliant. I'm going to tell you why mm-hmm. I think that I had a I had an ultrasound uh, before I left for Mexico. And the, the gentleman that gave it to me was a guy in his late 50s who'd been here for 15 years or whatever, was a, was a doctor in his home country. And can't practice here because of all the the policies and red tape around it. And I thought, you know, something should be done because there's so many of those people. He told me, he said, there's guys that he knows that were doctors in their country that are driving Ubers. And yeah. meanwhile, mm-hmm. we, we got we, mm-hmm. we got all this wait time. So that's see if he actually did that, that would be something for us to go. Oh, he's for something. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So mm-hmm. policy, and thank you for saying that. And policies like that, he's got to roll out more of those, and he will. He will. There's like going to be a big, thick policy book. I can assure you of that. Okay. So the other thing that's going to happen, and mark my words, you know, on this date, Tony Clement said this on this program. Justin Trudeau is going to use the time-honored technique of saying that a, a vote for Pierre Polyev is a vote for extremism. It's a vote for white supremacy. It's a vote for misogyny. It's a vote for anti-LGBTQ. Uh, all of these things, you know, and even yesterday, uh, Trudeau was at this uh, Ukraine event and was asked about the Trudeau Foundation. And he's 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 so slick, I swear to God. Mm-hmm. He, he pivoted from that controversy to say, well, we've got a lot of extremism in our country coming from the opposition and, and we've got to fight extremism. So you're going to hear a lot about that. I guarantee you guys. And and uh, Pierre has got to in his, in the way he expresses himself and in the way uh, the policies that he advances, just stick a knife in the heart of that <laughs> argument and say, oh, this is not me. I, I'm 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 the regular guy. If you want the divider and extremist, it's actually Justin Trudeau. That's right. basically what yeah. the message you want to be resonating with the public. Yeah, he's going to have to denounce certain things. He is. He's yeah. just going to well, have to come up. Um, let me ask you this. In the United States, there's a big problem right now, the polarization. It's like nothing either side can do can, you know, if, if I'm a Democrat, nothing the Republicans do and vice versa. It's so polar. Even, you know, I'm reading there's even problems within families now. If a if a girl, if a Republican family, uh, the daughter brings a, a Democrat uh, boyfriend home or something, there's tension like it's unbelievable. Is that happening in Canada? Is it is it becoming a team sport in Canada as well? Because traditionally this country, you know, we can flip governments and it's like, well, yeah, you know, I voted liberal last time, but I like those ideas and I'll vote conservative. Are we is it becoming a team game here now where it's like no matter what the liberals do, I hate it. Whatever the conservatives do, I hate it. I would say in the general population, no. I think there are extreme like if you inhabited all of your time on Twitter, you might have a different point of view, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I don't think that's reality, quite frankly. I think there's an extreme uh, on the right 10% and there's an extreme on the left 10%, but most people, do, you know, that's just rude and, and uh, it's not the way people think generally. Okay. So uh, I, I, I don't think we're there. I will say this, and again, I'm not, this is not a criticism of, of Trudeau on this particular point. It's an analysis of Trudeau. And I think it's in a sense for electoral success, it was brilliant. And I I didn't see it coming. But when I was running for reelection in 2015, knocking on doors, all people wanted to talk about in 2015 was Donald Trump. And it was driving me crazy Mm -hmm. as a Canadian. I want to talk about, you know, no, no. What do you think about Trump or Trump said this? Trump did this. And then it just continued to roll along ever since 2015. Trump is the is the big kahuna. On every, he occupies people's brains, and uh, maybe even a few shows. All right, easy now, Tony. You know, but Tony, Tony, an accused rapist, insurrectionist, will do that. Well, and and I was going to say the reason. (laughs) Thank you, but the reason, and I was going to answer the reason he occupies people's brains is because he's a larger than life. You know, a Christian mm-hmm. fascist, not that that's, you know, not all Christians are fascists. Christian fascist, Hitler. So that that does occupy a bit of the zeitgeist. So here's here's the here's the thing, though. And I mm-hmm. this is the brilliant part, if I can put it as a Please. political operative. Justin Trudeau 
knows that, knew that and, and knows that. And whenever he can, of course, he tries to Americanize Canadian issues. Uh, and so what does he love talking about? He loves talking about abortion and he loves talking about guns. And those are American issues. They are not, I would argue, they're not Canadian issues. Well, I can but tell that's you. That's what he loves talking about. I'll, I'll tell you, if I hear more about like things like whatever that the, the get, getting doctors uh, certified easily in this country because we have a whole bunch there's a huge cohort of those oh, yeah, those yeah, type yeah. of policies are the kind of things that are Canadian issues and if you want to have Pierre and tell him I said this maybe he'll come on the show if you want to have him look more tolerant just have him at every stop shotgun Bud Lights and then just crush the can on his head just to <laughs> shoot it and boot it Come on, Pierre. Okay. But, but okay. You, you mentioned that, that Trudeau strategy, like it's obvious, right? Like, why wouldn't he do that? Of yeah, course absolutely. he's going to do that. So now the ball's in your court to counter it. So it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds, all of it. Tony Clement. And, and, by, and by the way, if there's anybody out there listening, thinking, oh, then, you know, Tony's a conservative bully. Why does he get to say his side of the story? We're completely open to have anybody on this show. Like, sure we are. There's somebody out there that's got a connection to some high level liberal. Hey, bring them on. Bring yeah, it on. Uh, well, as, I, I've always found that about you guys. No, it's true. You know, we're Ralph, open for business. Ralph Ben Murgy and I don't agree on much, but it's always fascinating to listen to. Yeah, and yes. Ralph, yeah, did you hear? We couldn't get his, that liberal couldn't figure out Zoom yesterday. Damn liberals. <laughs> um, listen, Tony Clement does it all. He comes in here. He's got his own radio show, uh, rocking something on the weekends. What's Shindig. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and he, uh, again, once was in charge of the country when the like he was like, you know, in the in a pageant when if the first runner up, if the you know, he, he completed some prime ministerial duties. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a beauty pageant. Yeah, right. I get to, I go. You know, saying. like when yeah, the winner can't. Me and Harper in the beauty right. pageant. Right. Like if the winner right. can't do something that the first runner up. He was first runner up right, is what right, I'm trying right, to say. Right. And, so and Miss Congenia. Yes. <laughs> he beat me to it. He was both first runner up. First time it's ever happened in Canadian politics uh, as well. And another thing, podcast. He does that. He does. He does a lot, man. Listen, and he's out there. Here's a little pro tip from a Western Canadian, though. OK, here's a little tip for you. Eastern Canadians often refer to the place you're in as Calgary, but it's Calgary. Calgary. Just get, make sure Pierre does that, because I'll tell you what, nothing drives Western Canadians more batty than when people mispronounce it. And it's Calgarians, though. It is Calgarians, but it's oh. not Calgary. Gotcha. Well, listen, Thank my you. friend. You know what? I'm just trying to help the cause, buddy. Okay? Mm-hmm. And once although, it, although they love him out there, Howard, I think he can, well, he, he, well, he yeah. can do no wrong in Alberta. Yeah, well, probably. And listen, keep trying. Just Do, do you need a personal note from Humble and Frit? Dear Pierre, we are open for your uh, discussion topics. I will pass it along. Okay. I, I, prom- I will actually pass it along. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, Tony. And uh, care, guys. all Good the best. You, uh, hopefully, we'll see you soon. And um, in a month from now, before the next funny made-up holiday that we both and don't, don't forget sell. about our golf date. <laughs> oh, right. That's right. Yeah, we're, we are definitely going to look at that this year. We are okay. going to do that. All right. Yes. Thank That's you, okay. Tony Clement. You're a good fellow. Okay. Bye-bye. You're a nice Bye. man. Uh, we're going to uh, have the uh, Sherpa on here shortly, but I think we should take care of this uh, important message. Uh, the Chambers Plan, the Chambers yes. of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for 
small business, uh, dental, we're talking, uh, you know, prescriptions, we're talking therapies, we're talking travel insurance, mental health, an HR component to this thing. You know, they're always improving it. They're thinking ahead. They are progressive. It's like you're part of this plan. The coverage is unbelievable. And the premiums, very doable doable for a small business because you have all these small businesses together, the image of a big uh, corporation or company. All of a sudden now you can go out and purchase those insurances at a decent price. And they've done a great job of holding the line on the premiums over the past uh, several years. Check it out. Uh, go to chamberplan.ca. Get a free quote today. Chamberplan.ca. I got to do my thing now. Or did you want to say something? Go ahead. No, no, no. I, it's something I want to say about Tony when you're done. Go ahead. Well, I'm not going to rush through it. If you want to say it now? Okay. Go ahead, man. No, I was just saying, I, I just, again, you know, politics is becoming more polarized. And I know there's people probably listening to this show, this podcast going, oh, yeah, Tony again and the conservatives, right? Well, Admire what he does. Like, he is part of the Poliev machine right now. Yet he's willing to come on here and answer anything we ask him. Yeah. And, 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 we, I, really, and I really admire that. You know, Tony Clement is a friend of the show. He could very easily go, oh, you know what, I'm going to avoid that now because... I don't know what those two guys are going to come up with or say or whatever, and it might just be a good policy to sort of avoid that now, as I was talking about at the beginning. But he doesn't. And and I, I honestly, I really admire that because there's he doesn't tell us we can't go anywhere. He doesn't tell us that he doesn't want to answer any area of questions. He just comes on. And uh, I, I think that's great. I agree, and I, I have agreed the last few times that you've mentioned it. I, mm-hmm. It's always a pleasure to talk to him, and he doesn't seem to be scared of us. And maybe, no. maybe, one day, we'll get uh, double P on. Because it's getting to the nitty-gritty. I mean, you know, it's, you know, I know the election's still maybe a couple of years away, or 18 months or whatever, but... Uh, this is cruise time, man. So yeah. it's like uh, they got to watch what they do and say. Well, and, you know, really, mm-hmm. at this point, barring something outrageous, chances are he's going to be the prime minister. Because as I said, because mm-hmm. just after eight or nine yes. years of a guy, Canadians are just, well, they're not going to vote for NDP. So what are their choices? And all they've got to do is get some of the stink off the guy to a degree mm-hmm. where some people in the middle, centrists like us... Mm-hmm. And we are, you know, we're not really oh, yeah. that no. left or right Leave weaning. Me. No, leaning. Leave me. Yes. Um, let me take care of this, okay? Yeah. Thank you for your comment. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> this program is brought to you by GoDaddy. You know it is. And what GoDaddy does is it powers small business like us and entrepreneurs like us. And they've been doing it for a long time. Over 20 million customers worldwide. You know, there was a day, I'll bet Jimmy Buffett, you know, he needed a website. Didn't we read the other day that he, his business just went over like a billion dollars? Oh, yeah, it's something else. Well, it's brilliant. Exactly. And it starts with an idea, small business, a side hustle, some idea you've been dreaming about. Well, now GoDaddy can bring it to life. Maybe you're the next Jimmy Buffett success story. Find out for free with GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support. 
They're here to help you every step of the way. You can even start your website for free today with no credit card required. How do they do it? I don't know. Well, they've been doing it for a long time and they can do it for you. Today's the day to start your website, to get your dream off the ground at godaddy.ca. Don't know the reason. Bow, bow, bow. Do, 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 do. We're uh, just waiting here for the uh, full and uh, the full effect of the retirement Sherpa. Are you, uh, do you like listening to Jimmy Buffett music or, or is it just there? Me, myself, my yeah. personal self? Uh, yeah, I yeah. would. Between now and the end of my life, I will never choose other than during this show. Um, right. what, away from this program, I would never actually, you know, put on something Maybe. while I'm cooking. It will never be Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Like, I don't find it offensive or anything like no. that, or it doesn't aggravate me. It's just not. It's just not where I go for no, exactly. music. I know you. You're more of a Zep fan. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Once again, it's time to get, make some sense of things. Finally, checking in with our, this man who's done so much for so many for so long. That's right. It's quite impressive. <laughs> Please welcome Tim.Niblet at RaymondJames.ca. He is the retirement Good morning, everybody. You're a besmirch in the fine name of my go-to karaoke uh, song, though. Um, Jimmy Buffett, Margaritaville, as a matter of fact. Well, that's sweet. I, like, I, I, I understand that. I like the word besmirch. Um, I, think, I don't think your mic's on, though. That's my sense of it. Oh. Yes. Uh, sounds like you're coming through your computer. I, I tested it and said we were all good. It's all plugged mm. in. Okay. Well, I could be wrong. Just tap the mic. You're right. I don't know what to do. Tap the microphone with your finger. No. No, not on. Uh, I'll unplug, replug. Please plug, plug, plug. Take your time, man. Plug and play. Plug and play. Unplug and play. Yeah, but you know, it's to the surprise of no one. Like, I put on some music the other day, and guess what it was? It was fucking Steely Dan. Sorry. Sorry. Actually, no, it it was. um, Now, what's later? There you go. Let me hear it, Tim. How about now? Perfection. Um, actually, it wasn't Celia Dan. It was Donald Fagan. I had it was an album of his I like called Morph the Cat. Just stuck it on while I was doing some stuff around the kitchen. What How about nice. you? What is your uh, like when you go? I know you've got your playlist, which are very impressive. But uh, is there a band like you can think about? Maybe a question for you too, Timmy. Like where you went? Oh, I'm going to go listen to this band right now. Uh, Tim. Well, uh, I, I just go back to my past with uh, Led Zeppelin and Supertramp and Doobie Brothers and all Love that it. good old stuff. Yeah. Uh, on the playlist note, I was playing some tunes the other day on the golf course, which I know Howard loves a lot. And, Love it uh, now. Love it so much. <laughs> you do? Love it. <laughs> well, I, go the, ahead, Tim. Finish your story. <laughs> the, the gentleman I was playing with said, hey, what, what is that? Is it Spotify? Is it... You know, I said, no, no, it's just my own mix. He goes, well, if that was a serious XM station, that'd be one of the top ranked ones going. So that was uh, a nice compliment. I played for five weeks in a group of guys. Uh, two of the three days a week that I played with him, I uh, was in this group with one guy who played music uh, every day we played. And you know what? I kind of dug it. I know it's going to sound crazy to my friends at Glenn. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't... N- it was just maybe it's just the vibe of it and his, his playlists were great and it was a lot of kind of yacht rock stuff and he played it pretty low 
And I would like I was walking, but I would take rides in his cart, and I always I just enjoyed it, you know. Great. It can be You've really come over. cool. It's like you know we all know the power of music, right? So same on the golf course. If you're just kind of in the right mood, and you have the right mix or whatever, and all, uh, it, it can really accentuate uh, things. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, uh, our buddy Darren. He likes to play some music, and uh, that's fine. I, I would never be proactive. I would never bring my own speaker and my own music. But if somebody else. Wants to play and it's on low. I can live with it. I I don't see the point, but uh, but, but Tim's right. I've garnered quite a reputation, and people mm-hmm. always say, "We well, you know Howard doesn't like music on the golf course." And I was going, <laughs> I would say the same thing. Howard doesn't like your music on the golf course. But I have an idea this year, Tim. I'm gonna I'm, I've been <laughs> workshopping this. I'm gonna you're the first person I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna bring a speaker this year, and if some guy puts on some hair metal bullshit, what I'm gonna put on is uh, nature sounds and just blast it. <laughs> That's gonna be. <laughs> That's going to be my music, just the sound of nature. But don't whales you get that on a golf course? Like Pardon me, Kim? Sorry, Fred. Whales or something like that? Is that what you're going to play? No, that's the whole point, Fred, is that's what you normally get on a golf course is the sounds right. of nature, unless somebody's playing their 80s hair metal playlist. Right. But uh, this guy that played music, I just he played Beatles, he played some 70s stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, just, I got into it. And just as you said, Tim, I was like, oh, this is kind of, I mean, you know, I'm, it's 31 degrees every day, and I'm hot, and it's a beautiful surrounding, and it was just fine. You know, I don't think I'll be, you know, I don't think I'll put on music, as you said, Fred. I wouldn't do it proactively, and I wouldn't do it mm-hmm. in a real tournament, but on men's night or Saturday, I don't give a shit anymore. Uh, whatever you like, whatever makes yeah, you Just feel do good. it. Just go ahead. Yeah, that's what See, it's that's about. new Howard. That's new uh, 2023 yeah, Howard. He's new Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Howard went to a baseball game yesterday, Tim, and didn't leave in the fifth inning. <laughs> <laughs> he's coming around. He's coming around, Tim. But I did he's find it noisy. Personal growth, though. That Howard, that's right? right. You know what? Howard's really, really, <laughs> really becoming a normal person. It's no. great. No, no, he's not. Trust me. <laughs> so he's he's not. not a normal person. Uh, but I'll tell you who is this retirement Sherpa. By the way, uh, as part of the retirement Sherpa family, man, I find it easy uh, with the way that. The Sherpa has you navigate to your tax stuff. I just wanted to point that out. I know it's not part of your thing, but I can tell you as a as a friend and client, man, it's just easy to do. And everything you need for your T3s and your investment stuff is just so well, ar- not want to use the word archive, well, well um, managed. And I, I wanted to point that out and thank you for it. Yeah, well, thanks. We've obviously got a lot of people thinking about those things uh, at this time of year. That's an RJ thing, of course, right? I mean, we got a trillion dollars in assets around the world, so we got some pretty good systems to go along uh, with it. And then at the local level, so to speak, uh, Deborah runs interference, uh, my beloved Deborah, who's been with me 17, 18 years now. And, uh, you know, she uh, fills in any blanks that might occur for for people if they got a question on anything so you know it's it's something that we don't really like to do i would say on average so anything we can do to make it a little smoother is uh, is worth it yeah uh yeah tax time eh? it's just it's such a heavy weight on so many people um just again gathering the stuff and submitting it holding your breath to see if you're gonna have to pay but hey it's a great country live with it that's what we have to do. Exactly. Well, yeah, and getting it, I, I did it mm. just, I guess it was yesterday. I just, I went, okay, well, I've got to get this stuff together. And I looked on my 
RJ, uh, the system, and it was just so easy and, and uh, done. Let's talk about what you want to talk about today, Timmy. Sure. Well, actually, you know, taxes can kind of be part of the having a plan part, the mm-hmm. uh, H and Sherpa there. So uh, we talked about the setting goals, of course, last time. So do you have a plan? You know, do you, do you know what your current actions and a- uh, assets and all have you on track for? Uh, is tax efficiency part of it? I mean, right now, all we're doing and doing our taxes is confirming the uh, the reality of things. But did we do things last year, previous years to minimize what we're actually paying, maximizing what we're getting uh, as well? So that that's a big part of having a plan is setting yourself up, especially in retirement. Uh, for tax efficiency as well, that you're getting income in a uh, in effective manner. What do you? What would you say to Gen X millennials? I was reading a report the other day that those age groups feel hopeless right now. It's all they can do to pay. You know, mortgages. Mortgage rates have gone up. The price of food. The price of raising kids. Cars. Maintenance. All those things. When asked about, are you putting money away for your retirement? They can't even get there. Like, they can't even get their head around that. What advice, as far as a plan for those people, what, what would you say to somebody that would say to you, Tim, like, I, I'm, I can't do this? Yeah, I, I, I get it. I mean, just to try to be deep for a second, you can only eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? Mm, right. So whatever we've got... Uh, whether it's losing weight, whether it's retirement savings, whether it's building a career. I, I mean, you can just, uh, you know, one more corny saying, but true, you know, the journey uh, takes a thousand steps or however that goes, right? So just mm-hmm. take small steps. Like just, even if it's $5 a month, uh, hopefully more, you know, that's not going to mm-hmm. do a darn thing, but it's just going to at least exercise that muscle and get the process going and get the habit going. They'll notice that doesn't even... You know, they don't even notice it. We've talked before with you guys on the show about us putting savings away, whether it's an RESP, whether it's an RSP. And after a while, you don't even notice it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that saying that the banks used to use a lot in the good old days. I think David Chilton did in The Wealthy Barber, pay yourself first. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the mortgage is important. Yes, the food's important. Yes, the car is important. They all are. But so's paying ourselves first, whatever we can. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess the landscape has changed uh, compared to when we were that age. And and I really believe it has. I think generally people had more disposable income 20 years ago. But again, it's something you have to do. And especially by by 40, you should really be thinking about it, shouldn't you? Because that gives you, say, 25 years to put a plan together. And uh, by 40, you should be in a position where you could start. You would think, you would hope. One of the reasons I do this professionally is because when I was 18, I think, I started putting money away. So I've always been interested in it. So I, I'd really suggest people shouldn't wait till 40. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Especially mm-hmm. now that we didn't have when we were that age are incredibly powerful. You'll never pay a penny of tax. So if you can get 20 more years of tax-free growth, even on a small amount, see, what, what people kind of forget when they're putting money away for the future it's not the first year that matters. If you start 20 years later, 
you're missing out on years 21 and two and three when all this compounding's already happened, right? And your money's making tons right. of money for you. So uh, the, the sooner the better, just, just do it. Um, and, uh, it, it makes a huge difference. Just doing it is what really matters. Well, you know, I was lucky because back in my early twenties, I was, uh, I, I had this opportunity to, to leave the radio station and start a little personal services company. And the guy that I worked for said, this is a great idea. He said, you understand now that you will never have a pension from a company. You're going to have to do this yourself. And I started at 22, which is one, you know, I didn't, I didn't put away a lot, but just that compound over time, it's pretty stunning. And this is one of the things I tell my kids, you know, especially Charlie, the older one, I said, it doesn't matter what you put away. But as soon as you can do, the sooner you can do it, the better. And that's why I know you were kidding about $5. But a small amount over a long period of time versus a large amount over a smaller period of time. That's what kind of you're talking about, the magic of compound interest. It really is something. If we inventoried and looked at our bank accounts for the last three months or credit card statements the last three months, anywhere that shows where our money went, you can't say that you couldn't have found some <laughs> amount to, to, you know, success leaves clues, right? That's one of my favorite sayings. I mean, anything I do really well, I probably stolen from somebody else that it worked for. And, it, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, it works in golf. It works in uh, podcasting. It works in all kinds of things. So what's worked for other people before? Just emulate it. Just duplicate it. And certainly paying yourself first is definitely one of those things. Well, always interesting, my friend, and uh, it's great to gather with you. And, uh, and again, if you're a client of Tim's, you know what I'm talking about. It couldn't be easier to get your taxes and, and stuff. And, you know, these milestones throughout the year, it's great to mark them with you. When are you uh, heading back here? Yeah, two weeks to go. Lorna just flew to uh, Chicago this morning. Our daughter's got a conference there or at a conference there. So they're going to be uh, together for a few days having fun and uh we hit the road the 22nd get back uh last week of april so uh looking forward to returning to the northland for sure all right buddy well you're missing a nice week of weather here but don't worry it'll suck by the time <laughs> by the time <laughs> by the time you come back it'll be eight and raining well i'm looking forward to it that's there you for go. sure but uh, maybe we can even see each other in person how exciting would that be that would yes, be fun yes yes sure mm-hmm all right man all right. Have a great week, guys. Enjoy and profit all. There's okay, Tim man. Tim.nibblet at RaymondJames.ca. Let me uh, get Dan Duran in here. Yeah, something's better than nothing. That's the message you got to get through to these kids. Oh, yeah. But they're just so overwhelmed. Yeah, I, uh, I, I cost myself... I'm not sure I've ever told you this story. I cost myself probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't like to think about it because it was what I needed to do at the time. But, you know, I had accrued between 22 and 26 or 21 and 26, a pretty sizable amount of RRSPs mm-hmm. because I was making some good money and I was just putting, I was sort of, sort of told early on, you, you're not going to have a pension. You need to do this yourself. And I would max my RSP out. So mm-hmm. let's say when I quit radio to go to Los Angeles, I was uh, 25 or 26 and I had, th- I'm going to throw a number out there. I don't know, 40,000, 45,000 mm-hmm. in RSPs. 
Mm. And for a couple of years, I didn't make very much money. I made six hundred mm-hmm. to eight hundred dollars a week when I worked, and I made no hundred dollars when I didn't mm-hmm. work. So I was taking money out of my RSP, which made sense at the time because you know you you take it out. Uh, you wasn't paying much tax on it because I wasn't making any money. But let's say I burned through fifteen or twenty of it over those three or four years. You think about what that twenty thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollars over the last forty years would have done for me like it, it wasn't the smartest thing i just didn't have any other money and i didn't have parents with money well i often ask this question you know when it comes to saving money and everything and wondering whether you should spend it on this and that would you rather have the money in the bank or in the memory and that was a pretty significant part of your life you know what I'm saying? It was, no, no, I'm, I, I, I do, yeah. and, I, and don't get me wrong. I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not being dramatic. Like, oh, I cost myself hundreds. Of, listen, I no, I know what I, you're saying. It just was one of those things where I think about in, the, in just mm-hmm. in these conversations about the the power of compounding. Because when yes. I came when I came back to Canada, I probably had still had 25 grand in the bank, and that's grown over time, and it's been significant. But just that, just to point out that. Even even a few thousand dollars over 40 years adds up to mm. a ton of money. Yeah. On the point of being overwhelming, one thing you and I, too, we look at this through a different lens, too. We were, I was always in a position where I could easily afford putting money away. I just could. Lucky enough to be in that position where it could be part of my world. This goes to that. This goes to this. This goes to investments. You know, a lot of these corporations nowadays just not paying people a living wage, you know, and just the environment, economic environment we're in. You know, it's easy for us to say or think that, oh, yeah, just put something away. So many people just don't have anything like anything. Mm -hmm. And what worries me about that is 20 years from now, all these people that are being underpaid and they are so many kids nowadays being underpaid by these greedy corporations and everything, what position are they going to be in 20 years from now when it's time or 25 years from now when it's time to retire? We're going to have a workforce in the 70s. You know, I don't know. Dan, what does the CBC say about this? Is there mm-hmm. anything? Is there any news on the corporation? Is there any news about the economy? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, there's the, I mean, there's the, a real like Fred's making a great case for uh, having a, a living wage, the minimum wage being raised to whatever, you know, the living, you know, the threshold for because there's a lot of money floating out there doing, you know, things around the world that, that we're doing that but we should at least figure out a way to keep our people in our society. Make her get our people. Well, and, you know, let's, do we really need to pay Galen Weston more money? Like yeah, that was, by the way, that was such a, I've read a little bit about, that was such a bad, how could they be so, I don't know what the word is, out of, uh, completely out of touch, like, what a bad move, even if it, even if you did it, but how do we, how do we need to hear about it? Well, it's a public company, so it's, anybody can go and see it, you know, we could do that when I worked at Chorus, you know, when I... Yeah, of course. Used to pay, you know, I knew what John Cassidy made every year because it was published. They had to do it. And you would scratch your head and think, well, okay, you know, I guess the idea is to become that person. (laughs) Yeah, but but, I mean, in this, Mm -hmm. and and given the, but against a background of, you know, what are they, what's the word they call it? Food insecurity and uh, inflation Mm -hmm. and, and what you just said, people, 
you know, having difficulties paying for just the necessities. Forget paying yourself first. But in the in a back against the background of that, there had to be a way for them to just say, okay, well, okay, we voted him a raise, but let's just not tell anybody. Stupid. Or have him publicly reject it because yes. you know you know he doesn't need it. Well, because he was making eleven million before. Well, I know, and that's he comes from a family of wealth, and, all and they're already but, one but of the even, wealthiest. But, but even that, guys, I don't even begrudge that. You're at the top of the company, fine. It's your family, great. But just pay people a living wage. Yeah, like, well, no when no when you send yes. people out the door at five o'clock that you've put enough money in their genes to just survive or compete. You know, yeah, like, but look what they're doing now. They're, to Howard's point, the. Yes. Uh, totally being out of touch with what's going on in the world they're in a different level of the ceo level they're they're competing against other ceos you're like well i get that guy gets this and and you know they they don't want to be below that and so somehow that that whole side of things has inflated to a a, a, an outlandish degree yeah he makes the the ratio the ratio between what the ceo makes he's 540 times or 440 times more than the average worker that works for him but i like what fred said though why not make a great pr move i was saying i'm not taking this raise Mm -hmm. i don't think now's the best time to take this raise you know and we tend to be a bit hypocritical too because again i have investments you have investments and those investments you know they grow based on the performances of the companies that we invest in Mm -hmm. and very often those stock prices go up because of bloodletting of cutting costs keeping cutting wage, costs keeping cutting wages people, down cut it, cutting wages so yeah. that works to our benefit so it's this vicious circle of yeah i want my portfolio to go up but at what cost uh, and there's listen. a lot of and a lot of what goes on at the ceo level is that they're they're gaming the system so that the next quarter pays off for absolutely them because Very that's what their their incentives are set up for short term not long term like really they should be because if you're running a corporation your your long-term goal should really be what it's all about i mean of course long term for the next quarter the next quarter is it is a consideration but really that this quarter is the one that i want to get goosed up so i'll do whatever i can to make that happen and that's why and so you know people- that's why bell keeps firing people there you know every year and rogers and uh but again i, I again another good point about you know we all all have mm-hmm. we have investments in companies that we want them to mm-hmm. run as you know that's sort of the dichotomy of being you know a fiscally conservative but at the same time wanting the best for your fellow man and woman you know it's like you know that's why they say you know a person should be a, a liberal at 18 a conservative at 38 because at some point you realize what keeps the lights on is you know economical fiscal you know smart fiscal policies mm-hmm. You should write a book, Howard. Well, I've already got a book. like that. You know. I'm, what about Fred's book? The, the book of things that frustrate me. Uh, <laughs> hey, let's take a... We, we still have more Dan Duran, everybody. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran. A hell of a guy with a hella big wang. The quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchorman, comes and has for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. 
Dander and the Anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang So he don't care And he's got a big wang to run He's got a very big wang <laughs> fucking no wonder Pierre Polia wasn't coming, wasn't gonna come on this fucking show. Oh, I wanna go on the Big Wang show. Dan, you yeah. love being in front of a camera. Why didn't you ever get into porn with your asset? Like <laughs> You well, could have got a couple of grand a film probably. Oh yeah. Be working all day, every day, every week. Why yeah. didn't you? Dan? I could just see it, Freddie, the Dan Duran Anchorman series, you know, and there he is. <laughs> There he is at the news desk. He's reading off a prompter. The next thing you know, they pull the camera back, and there's someone underneath the desk giving him a, you know, him Yeah, he'd be right up there with John Holmes, Ron oh, Jeremy, yeah. like Dan Duran. Yeah. The Adventures of Dan Duran. I got Durant. all the latest Dan Duran. Dan at the copy machine, getting his cast together. The <laughs> next thing you know, he's got a, and he's always got like his Anchorman jacket on, but he's yes. naked underneath yes. him. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anchorman. He's got, he's got the shirt, the tie, That's the jacket. Right. Never any pants. Never any pants. Never. Then, no, in in, in no. the third installment of this series there's the weather girl and then there's this uh, the, oh, yes, yes, uh, the co-anchor yeah. and then the three of them get together dan still has his jacket on opportunities for i don't need much show. prompting yep. i need no prompting for this bit you know how many guys dan would love to get into porn but can't because they don't have the equipment here you are you're born with all <laughs> the right. equipment and you Anyway, and you don't do it. What's, no, the, matter? What's the matter with you? <laughs> what a waste. How <laughs> dare you? How dare you waste this asset on behalf of all average to small men everywhere? Dan. Oh, Dan. Well, here's an example and of now being... live from Lisa's house. <laughs> <laughs> here's Dan Duran, the Anchorman. Series four. Okay, so here's another example of people with way too much uh, out there. Bidding on sneakers, if it gets to this level, you just got way too much money. Yesterday, somebody bought Michael Jordan's stinky safe sneakers, the, Nike he wore, the Nikes he wore in the second game of the championship, his final season in 1998. The sneakers sold yesterday, forget this, $2.2 million at Sotheby's in New York. Wow. Most well, I gotta be used running shoe has ever been auctioned off for. Not surprised. Zero surprise from me, this, this reporter. And last okay. year, last year, game one jersey of the 1998 finals, uh, the most expensive item of worn sports memorabilia sold for like $10.1 million at Sotheby's for his for game one. Yeah. It's, it's out, I don't understand it. I don't know. I mean, I understand that there's a... There's, uh, you know, a worth there, and people invest because it's already worth that much, yeah. I guess. But but other than I don't understand why it's worth that. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, Howard, you said you weren't surprised at the Jordan shoes. Uh, explain. From what angle? Just well, just because uh, he created, you know, well, first of all, it's, it's Michael Jordan, but also I, yes. I, know, I've, I know that there's a, a huge collector uh, world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of those of of all kind of basketball shoes. There's a whole mm-hmm. culture that none of us have any contact with. That you know, it's funny. I was watching this series uh, Entourage when I was in Mexico, and on, they in one of the episodes they were going to this opening where somebody was releasing a, a special edition sneaker. 
mm-hmm. wasn't even a Jordan one. And, the, and mm-hmm. the, the kids were all lined up around the block. So I'm not mm-hmm. surprised that something like a Jordan second game 98 championship shoe would go for millions. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, how because much money you, you, you pay two million dollars for a pair of shoes? Then what do you do with them? Like you, you lock keep them, them until somebody, somewhere? yeah, you lock them away. The same. It's, it's like a, it's yeah. gonna be like uh, it's gonna sound stupid, but it's uh, it's like coin collecting. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, you're right. And it's, and not how just much, not just Jordan shoes. Sorry, Dan, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, how much money do you actually have to have for two million dollars not to to you know bother you for buying a set of, of sneakers which then you have to pay to i don't know you probably have to insure it and sure and then well, uh, make I think, sure that this the you know doesn't fall apart or something i, I think you can answer your own question by saying you you can't just have two million <laughs> you, you know, like like <laughs> yes if you're, right like, listen if you're worth two million and you say to your partner or whoever you say listen i got i'm gonna go buy this fucking shoe uh and we're gonna be poor after that but it's someday like jack and the beanstalk mm-hmm yeah. No, Dan did preface it preface it by saying how much money do you have to have and like to be able to take 2 million and buy a pair of running shoes that Michael Jordan wore. Whole different world, man. Well, you could ask that question on a bunch of things like mm-hmm. You know, I I saw somebody, I don't know where we were, but I saw a Bentley parked and I thought, you know, it's a $285,000 car. Like what the fucking What's that? What's that conversation like? You know, well, I was yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I was on House Sigma the other day looking at properties and I just happened to down in the Burlington area for whatever reason, not that I'm interested in living there. And then I saw something close to the water and I clicked on it and it was a house worth, house worth $17 million. It didn't even look that grandiose, but it was right on the lake with the pool and the landscaping and mm-hmm. the beautiful driveway and everything. And I scrolled down to the property tax. It was 55000 a year. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? So just yeah. think about that. The property tax is 55000 How much money do you have to have to think? Okay, fifty. Oh, that's only that's reasonable. Okay, let's buy. Yeah, they. Uh, I don't know. There's so much stuff. We we left so much stuff on the table today. For tomorrow, we can uh, maybe play some audio of Trump talking about how people were crying when he was indicted. I've got oh, some. Au- I've got some audio, Dan. <laughs> oh God! Of a guy, a, a man in government in the states who compared trans people and gay people to uh, imps and devils. And oh, wants wow. nothing to do with them. Um, and there was another mass shooting yesterday. Just oh, yeah. so you know, t- number one forty-seven apparently. Yeah, another I'm mass sure shooting. More. Yeah, yeah. Another mass shooting where uh, this one at a funeral home. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> That's, hey, wait a minute. Let me see if I've got that on my mass shooting bingo card. <laughs> Right. No, as I said to Delise, and she didn't find that funny. I said, well, at least they don't have to take the bodies far. Fantastic mm-hmm. bit. Love mm-hmm. it. How did she like the abortion bit we played yesterday? Did she oh, she that? doesn't know. No, she doesn't listen not. to no the one. show. No, of course not. It's probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, this is funny. I, this, I'll just, this isn't a trauma thing, but it is kind of a funny thing. And I'm going to finally get it off my desktop here. But it's somebody talking about how... Um, how nothing ever sticks to Trump. And uh, so here's this. It's a quick sentence that sums up how nothing ever sticks to Trump. From This is from like the MAGA perspective. It's not a crime. And if it's it, <laughs> I start again. It's not a crime. And if it is a crime, he didn't do it. And if he did do it, it wasn't that bad. And if it's that bad, everyone does it. And if everyone does it, 
And if everyone doesn't do it, Hunter's laptop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I got fucked it up, but it made me laugh. And if everyone doesn't do it, Hunter's laptop. No matter what's going on, they can always find a way to pivot to something that literally. Okay. Okay. I don't want to get into Trump. I don't have the energy. But anyway. You know what I'm so talking about. So one thing, but overall, and one thing that amazes me about American politics right now is that there's no, there's, there's the, on the Republican side, there's just no ethical, you know, uh, north wind or whatever. It's, mm-hmm. it's like all about power. They've totally given up the idea that it's, uh, you know, they're doing something for the people. You know, with all the gun regulations that are going on down there, there's that uh, thing that's going on in wasn't Tennessee where they kicked out the. Uh, yeah, kicked um, out the legislators that got back in, by the way. They're yeah. getting, they, yeah. all, they both got back in. Right. But they've also got, you know, kicked off their committees and they're talking about I've seen some stories about the committees that, that uh, the Republicans run there. They don't even really vote and that they just they, mm-hmm. they don't just like whatever the chairman of those committees wants to do. He just gavels before anybody can say nay or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just it's astonishing. Know, it's all bullshit. Hey, Howard, I sent you that. Um, I texted you that Greg Popovich yesterday uh, he's the president of the san antonio spurs he's been oh, yes. very outspoken in texas about the gun laws and it, he went off again yesterday or the day before and it was pretty interesting i didn't know we could yeah, yeah, I, 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 let, i'm gonna play that tomorrow you know it's funny i'd mm-hmm. seen it he i uh, was a, he i thought he was the coach um is he still coaching i think he's just he might be. I thought he's the president of uh, the San Antonio Spurs, too. Because when I first saw it, I thought they said the coach of the San Antonio Spurs. We'll okay, play that. Yeah, maybe, it, it's well, some maybe, great yeah. audio yeah. Uh, talking about gun control. He just asked the obvious questions. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and all the double talk bullshit that the politicians, the gun um, protectors say. Yeah. You know, I've got that. And uh, to, also, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll try and find it. But you should see it, Freddie and Dan. Uh, it's just Bill Maher with, you know, more sense uh, talking about guns again. And basically, one of the things he says, his main point is people in government are really stupid. <laughs> it's, it's really well done because he talks about the requirements you need to be in Congress and just how fucking dumb they all are. And how and I've, it sort of goes to what we've said. Mm-hmm about how their job is to just keep their job. They don't actually do anything, mm-hmm. but they're, they are literally some of the dumbest people um, who get elected. They don't mm-hmm. know anything. They're just, they're just good at getting elected. And he says, that's why it's so dangerous because, and he's sort of, t- I'm not sure if he touched on term limits, but he says, that's why it's so dangerous because these are the, this is the best job most of those people could ever have. Uh-huh. They get a big office, they get a staff, they get driven places, they get expense accounts, and this is it for them. Or these, there's the flip side to that. Somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's worth, her family had a construction company. Did you see her interview on 60 Minutes? I, I didn't. I've seen clips like How of can it. anybody watch that and think, oh yeah, that's who I want in Washington? But she's worth $11, $12 million. She does it because she's bored. Yes. She's just a dummy. Yeah. Who needs something to do and thinks that she's got all the solutions, which are usually, you know, that extreme right bullshit. And uh, like, it's it's something else like the, this interview in 60 Minutes with Leslie Stahl. It's like she just looks in the camera and says stuff that she really believes. I've seen enough clips. And plus, Leslie Stahl yeah. got so much pushback. This is two weeks ago. So much pushback online, pushback 
from people saying, like, how could you just sit there? I mean, what was she supposed to do? Because she, oh, no, she called her on a few. Absolutely. And, she did. But she they were being criticized for having her on at all. And absolutely. See, I, don't agree, I don't agree with that. I think it was great to have her on. Let the, let people see what this is all about. Yeah, it I might agree. influence somebody, because I'll tell you, even people that support her would have to look at that and go, this woman's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, um, and and she's does that whole MAGA playbook where you know they pivot, deny, they conflate, pivot, deny, and conflate. By the way, also the name of a law firm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> all right, listen, tomorrow's a big day. Can we have lots of stuff? We see we have lots of stuff we didn't get to today. And we'll have mm-hmm. some, and I'm going to try and get. I've got some of that audio of Trump talking to uh, that bootlicker Tucker Carlson. I know no one knows him but us, but it'll be interesting for you. I think we, we know what we'll do. Freddie and I will make it interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Until tomorrow, here's uh, Dan Duran, everybody. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, The Chamber's Plan, Bodog, Air Adventures, evnet.ca, and GoDaddy. We read all of our emails. Now we have a Friday email show, so we need the content. Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com. Liking and subscribing really helps us out by charging up the getting noticed algorithms and maybe more people will listen to this show. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, people in government are really stupid. Enjoy every gore damn day. So just clap your hands. Where's that? Sad. I got time to turn tables out of my